HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Castor and Pollux, maker of America's number one organic pet food, Organics. Look for their newest line, Pristine, the only complete line of pet food made with responsibly sourced ingredients. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org pets. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome to Feast Your Ears. I'm Harry Rosenblum from the Brooklyn Kitchen. Join me every Wednesday as I talk with people about what they do and how it influences their personal food stories. This is a show about people, life, and food. Welcome to October, everybody. We're having a beautiful fall day in New York. Uh, Today is episode number 85 of Feast Your Ears. can't believe I've been in this studio like that many times uh, over the past couple years. Very pleased today to welcome Joseph Yoon into the studio. Joseph, thanks for joining me. Oh, thank you, Harry. Very happy to be here. Uh, Joseph is an entrepreneur who's the chef owner of uh, both Yummy Eats and Dinner Echo, and he's the executive director of Brooklyn Bugs. Brooklyn Bugs uh, is a culinary festival, I think New York's first festival, uh, culinary festival dedicated to eating insects, and uh, was held, the first uh, iteration was held this year over Labor Day weekend. And soon, Brooklyn Bugs will be releasing a line of edible insect products, which I can't wait to hear more about, and continue to produce events to raise awareness of edible insects in America. Joseph lives in Brooklyn and has an amazing rescue dog named Hazel, who I've met. Uh, thanks, Joseph, for coming on the show. Can you, um, just when you when you meet somebody uh, and you introduce yourself, what, uh, what do you usually say? Do you like jump right into the bug thing or do you describe Yummy Eats? Can you tell me a little bit about Yummy Eats and Dinner Echo? Uh, Yeah, so Yummy Eats is a private chef and catering company that I started almost seven years ago. And I worked in the music industry for about 15 years, and I got a little burnt out of it. And uh, I wanted to do something I was still uh, very passionate about. And very fortunately, I found some great champions who uh, really championed my work as a private chef and caterer. And I was able to make a uh, transition into the food industry. And about uh, earlier this year, uh, I, just, I just felt like with a lot of the food and offerings I was providing, I was doing a lot of 8 to 12 course meals and a lot of tasting dinners, uh, Yummy Eats is still a, a great 
uh, brand that I love, but I just thought I, I wanted to rebrand a little bit for some of the other dinners I was providing. And Yummy Eats does some markets too, right? Uh, markets? What yeah. Do you, do you, pre- you present at some, at, at some markets as well? Oh yeah. We, we, we've, we've been at various, uh, markets and, uh, Early on, we were, we were also at the uh, Lucky Rice uh, market as well. Yep. And, uh, you know, and so with Dinner Echo, it was just kind of like a, a, a just a rebranded name to to be able to say, like, oh, this is why we're charging the price point and sure. saying Dinner Echo instead of Yummy Eats. Right, right. Um, well, I mean, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. I, th- I think that there's a real, you know, that, that Yummy Eats to me seems to occupy a place where it's a it's private chefing, but it's not. It isn't that high-end, you know, like uh, tasting menu kind of thing necessarily, right? right. Um, and and that does sort of garner a different level of service potentially, different level of serveware, um, you know, a different kind of level of production. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the the start of Dinner Echo actually really coincided perfectly with uh, being a great foil and a, and also a different name for the work I started doing with entomophagy as well. Nice. Um, so. If you think about Yummy Eats and a brand that I developed over like almost seven years, I didn't want to really alienate the my client client base and just like people that want to think about yummy food and delicious food and catering. And there's a, a risk and danger when you introduce something so visceral and just something so that has such a big reaction when you say edible insects. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so I guess we're gonna we're gonna roll right into into talking about edible insects here. Um, uh, well, I'll, I'll, fo- I'll follow your lead. I'm, I'm happy. This no, no, I, I like that, that that you took it right there because um, I, I mean, I personally find it super interesting. Um, you know, at the Brooklyn Kitchen, we hosted an edible insect dinner years and years ago. Um, I guess now six years ago, maybe it was 2011, 2012, maybe um, with a chef from San Francisco who came through and you know got all of the reactions that you would expect. Ew, yuck, weird, whatever. But one of the things that really struck me is that my daughter who at the time couldn't even really speak instantly understood that they were food um you know i i you know vividly remember holding a wax moth larva a live wax moth larva in my between my fingers between my thumb and my first finger and it was squirming around and i was holding that in one hand and i had her in my other arm and she immediately opened her mouth and leaned over to eat it amazing and so it was so clear to me that from an instinctual level she knew it was food yeah. You know, I, I really believe that children will kind of lead the frontier because they're, they're often fearless and they don't have the stigmas that adults may have in with the idea of eating insects. Yeah. So uh, with Brooklyn Bugs, uh, so it was a three day festival and on the we had a, a day of uh, that was more conference based and we served food and had some amazing speakers, industry leaders, also artists and uh, visionaries involved with speaking but on the second day we were outdoors at tbd brooklyn and had an outdoor vendor market and it was really important for for me and for us to incorporate children's programming and it's something that we still feel very adamant about and is going to be a, one of the core part of our missions because they are the ones that we're leaving this world for and they are the ones that are going to be that will probably be eating this as a part of their regular diet Right. Absolutely. I mean, so, so, you know, a lot of the information that's out there about, um, 
entomophagy. How do you pronounce entomophagy. it? Entomophagy. Entomophagy. Got it. Uh, the a lot of the information that's out there about it regards it as being kind of the food of the future, or at least a, a major protein source yeah. mm-hmm. um, for the future, because we are really reaching a point on this planet where the terrestrial uh, terrestrial area or uh you know available resources cannot support the number of people given the way that our diets are so sort of geared towards protein right yeah you know so there there are a few like benchmark sort of numbers uh without getting like too academic about it but so in 2013 the un the fao food and agricultural organization put out a report which was kind of a benchmark for a lot of uh western american and european companies because they stated that by 2050 the world's population will probably get to about 9 billion, and we're going to have to increase food production by 70% to meet the demands of feeding the population. One thing that they didn't address, which is a, a, a separate topic, is the uh, distribution and kind sure. of ha- how that goes. But putting that aside, just like the idea of the production of food, the rate at which the, the carbon imprint and the resources that are necessary for livestock is exponentially higher than what, what it would be for farming and harvesting insects. And so when the UN said in, to, in their report, when they're like, you know, edible insects will be the solution to feeding the burgeoning population, that really kind of rallied a lot of companies that started thinking about that. And a big part of uh, the mission for Broken Bugs is really to start changing the perception and raise the awareness amongst Americans so that insects aren't considered that pest in your house that you want to kill, right. but as something that chefs use as an actual ingredient that's in their pantry. It's something that is grown in farms for human consumption that's harvested as food. And so part of the rally call for us is to like get a lot of chefs involved so that they could start posting their pictures and just start the process of normalization. Include children's programming so that children are starting to talk about it and that they consider it as a part of their food, so it's not something so weird. To get artists and musicians and influencers involved so that that also helps to like culturally start accepting this as a part of our regular lives. And so that's why we really wanted to make this a festival instead of like a conference, so that it's not just targeted towards scientists and entomologists and like bug lovers but we really want this to be accessible and something where like anyone with any sort of interest in the future of food and insects in collecting insects or eating insects whatever it is that it was a open sort of like forum and like an invitation to really embrace and welcome the entire community to come and uh learn and try a lot of delicious food as well. Well, and, and that's the, I mean, for me, what I love about it, and I'm so sad that I was out of town for Labor Day weekend, I hope, have you, is the next one going to be next year at Labor Day weekend? No, um, we, we have some uh, potential dates, I, cool. uh, most likely early in the summer. Great. But uh, we are actually planning a lot of events prior to like the sort of the big festival itself, but we are uh, planning a lot of different programming as well, uh, much much before the before next year. Cool. I mean, you know, for me, I think that one of the great things about it is this idea that it's not just like food spectacle. 
Um, you know, definitely, I feel like in my Instagram feed, if somebody goes to like Vietnam or Laos, you see, you know, people eating tarantulas on a stick, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. which is, you know, as, as I understand it, is part of the food sort of ways and the food culture in that part of the world. But it's being presented in a way that's like, check out this crazy thing I did. And I really think that where we need to go with it is not that, right? The idea is not like, ooh, I'm going to do this weird thing and I'm going to eat bees or I'm going to eat worms. It's this is a dish that has these things because of their culinary value, Um, whether that's taste or whether it's because it's protein or how, you know, there are a lot of different ways to view it. Mm -hmm. Um, Certainly, I know that there are products on the market that are touting the, you know, the fact that they are high in protein and that they're low in fat and that, you know, the that they grow um, in a very sustainable manner. And, you know, in some cases, that's like their little protein bites. And they're exactly the same as like, you know, a power bar. And you wouldn't know that there's insect in it, except that that's part of the point of it is that you're using those things because they are more sustainable. Um, Whereas then there are some dishes, and I know you you did serve some because I know there was a great uh, Facebook Live with the New York Times where I saw, I got to see a lot of the dishes where, you know, you had a, a dish that contained, uh, you know, I believe it was a shrimp that was, you know, had ants on it. Right. Yeah. And you were, and, and you, it wasn't like ant powder, they were ants and you saw that they were ants mm-hmm. and they had a flavor component. And the, you know, the comment there that I heard was that they tasted like lemon, mm-hmm. which is a natural thing. We think about the, you know, seafood. Sure. You put citrus on it. So it seems like a natural outgrowth as a chef to use something that has a lemony flavor, but has a little different texture, maybe some crunch and add that into something we would normally have that acidic flavor on. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's really interesting. There, there are a lot of uh, points that you brought up that um, that I like to almost like bookmark and address. We'll see how, how sure. much time, time provides. <laughs> but what, one thing that I really enjoyed is that uh, you know your your space, Brooklyn Kitchen, has been a, a great uh, sponsor for Brooklyn Bugs and have, has been very helpful. And when the New York Times expressed interest in um, covering the food that we prepare during Brooklyn Bugs. I love that your daughter Moxie uh, was one of the stars and uh, of the the piece, and she ate. And she's uh, eight years old, I believe, right? Yep, she's eight. And she ended up eating every single dish um, along with us. And I think a big part of that not only is she like a rock star, just like personality wise, <laughs> but just her willingness to eat it and really be fearless and not kind of have that like, ew, like sensationalized reaction, but like, ooh, this is food. This looks really delicious. And and she, I mean, I you know, I, and I mean, this is this doesn't need to be a show about her. And I talk about her a lot on the air. Obviously, I'm very proud of her, <laughs> of course, as yeah. a dad. But you know, she likes eating bugs, and it's not this sensationalism thing for her. You know, she takes, you know, roasted crickets to school and eats them at lunch as a snack, and offers them to her friends. And I really think that that's great. It's I feel like she's like, you know, she's like a brand ambassador for like edible insects. That is wonderful. And, and you know, one thing that I, I you know, the windfall and the a lot of things that have happened since uh, the festival, Brooklyn Bugs, has been incredibly rewarding. And it's been amazing to see just like the sort of interest level there is. And I think it's for a few reasons, even insofar as like just having the festival in New York City in Brooklyn, I think gains a certain amount of interest and garners a, a certain amount of interest rather than if it were done in another city. But one thing that we were extremely happy about is the way that the press covered our story and did not sensationalize it and try to make it out to be, 
know, because some of the comments in when these videos air and stuff, like, you know, some of those could be a little negative and they're like, oh, what are hipsters going to do? And first of all, I don't identify myself as a hipster, nor am I. Um, but, you know, because I live in Williamsburg, people might, you know, they, and the festival was in Williamsburg and Greenpoint. People were like, oh, what, look at what these hipsters are doing, eating bugs. Like, where, you know, and the thing is, like, the press took time to read the press release, I feel, and realized that we weren't trying to sensationalize this. We weren't trying to make this, like, a fear factor, like, we dare you to eat this. <laughs> but we had some amazing chefs involved, and we took time to try to plate these dishes and incorporate them as an ingredient and really try to present this as, like, a food that is just, uh, you know, delicious and, and can be a part of, like, your diet. And a big part of this is also not... I, I don't personally, and, you know, Brooklyn Bugs, we don't advocate this, like, sort of uh, antarianism where it's like, all we can do is eat bugs, right? That's absurd. <laughs> yeah. But, right, I mean, I, I'm personally an omnivore, and what I'm advocating is, one, awareness that edible insects are a viable and nutritious, sustainable source of food, but two, even eating it once a week can change the world. Absolutely. You know, eat, like the whole idea of like meatless Mondays and like even if we were all to do something like that once a week as a nation or just like, you know, as a movement, that will make such a huge difference. And so these are like sort of the small steps that we're trying to raise and like, you know, to have the awareness and just have people starting to talk, have the discussion. I mean, that is like a win for us right now. Yeah. And so the fact that like Moxie's like sharing insects and stuff like you know, so uh, the, uh, I, I was at the New York Entomological Society at the American Museum of Natural History, and uh, we gave a little presentation wrap-up of uh, Brooklyn Bugs there. And one of the questions that I, I said, it, or statements I said, is that, you know, can eating one bug change the world? And yes, it can, because, you know, Moxie can feed, eat, eat the insects, Feed it, share with one of her friends yep. and share with one of her friends. And this is like the growth tra trajectory. It is the future. And you never know who might be eating the insect that can really help shape the policy and really help like to really like raise the awareness. So another like really big part of what we're aiming for right now is to like win over the right influencers. Yeah. Because if we win over the right sort of influencer, they can change tens or hundreds of thousands of minds with their with their if they were to advocate edible insects absolutely and so while we are still going peer-to-peer -peer and working the grassroots level because it's so important for us to have the grounding and the network and to be very grounded so that we can really be able to grow and have a, a stable trajectory and a grounding but we are also like really trying to find the right influencers who understand and appreciate what it is that we're doing how we're approaching it and i believe that this can be a part of their future diets absolutely we're going to take a short break and hear from one of our sponsors here at heritage radio uh, and we will be right back For understanding when you are away, can't use my heart to think away the time in my room. I will await you and 
This episode is brought to you by Castor and Pollux, maker of America's number one organic pet food, Organics. You put a lot of care and thought into what you eat. After all, you're a food radio listener. That thoughtfulness goes hand in paw with how you feed your pets. Purposeful pet food doesn't happen by accident. Castor and Pollux scours the earth to carefully select the best organic and responsibly sourced ingredients. New Pristine from Castor and Pollux is the only complete line of pet food made with ingredients that are responsibly raised, caught, or grown. Feed your dog or cat the new standard, like grass-fed beef, wild-caught fish, and vegetables grown without synthetic fertilizers or chemical pesticides. Pristine from Castor and Pollux. Purposeful pet food. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org slash pets. Welcome back to Feast Your Ears. I'm Harry Rosenblum, and today in the studio I have Joseph Yoon from Brooklyn Bugs. Uh, he also runs Yummy Eats and Dinner Echo. And before the break, uh, we had jumped right into talking about edible insects and Joseph's work in that as a chef and as a uh, as a proponent of that. I'd like to right now read an excerpt uh, from the introduction of a book that I think was one of the one of the first, perhaps not the first, but. Uh, a book that was written in 1976 called Entertaining with Insects it was written by Ronald L. Taylor and Barbara J. Carter. Uh, the subtitle of the book was The Original Guide to Insect Cookery. Uh, so here goes. Most people have never thought of cooking insects. As a matter of fact, most people shudder at the thought, and this is unfortunate. Insects in general are wholesome and nutritious, and they can be delicious. Numerous insects are cleaner than many of the animals man regularly eats, and there are no special religious prohibitions against the eating of insects as such. Insects have been eaten throughout man's history and are eaten today. Certain insects are relished and regarded as delicacies by civilized as well as primitive societies. Insects are likely to be the most reliable source of animal food for the individual lost in the wilderness. Insects play significant roles as therapeutic agents in man's drug arsenal, and perhaps most important, insects are clearly a nutritious source of human food. Insect eating is not inherently abhorrent or unnatural, in fact, quite the contrary. Insects are a perfectly acceptable alternative source of food for man. This is an important fact in view of the present and predicted world food dilemma, for we are being forced to re-examine basic concepts of human nutrition and to search for simple, inexpensive, and nutritious food. The development of such food should be a matter of primary concern to all of us. For if the human race is to survive, we cannot afford to leave unexplored the world's still unknown food potential. In a time of increasing food shortages and protein deficiency worldwide, the possibilities of incorporating insects into our diets merit serious consideration and research. You know, I'm gonna, um, you know what's amazing about that piece is that that really could have been written in 2017 yeah. and still be very pertinent. Right. And I feel like there, there have been waves through time where people have tried to bring insects into American culture and unfortunately have not gained the traction. And I don't want to say I didn't want to use the word failed because I don't think that it, I don't think it should be considered a failure. But it, they, they met certain challenges and the stigmas. And I feel like now is really the time where there is more interest. There is more awareness. And I feel like we... You know, if you think about like the, the way that sushi has grown and been accepted in America, took like about 30 years, yep. I would say. Yep. I'm going to very optimistically say that with edible insects, because of the necessity that's arising and also because of the interest level, 
I'm going to say that within 10 years of 2013 being like the benchmark of the FAO report, that within 10 years, we're going to start seeing it as a part of the regular sort of like um, in supermarkets available at restaurants. And we're, we're already seeing this transition. And I, I really feel like we're going to be able to make this like huge jump forward. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I, I have to totally agree with you. And, and if I, I mean, if, if my personal family is any kind of example, my father worked for Hitachi in the 70s, and we used to eat sushi, mm-hmm. right? And I mean, family's not Japanese at all, but we would eat sushi, and I would go to school in the early 80s, and I would talk <clears throat> about eating sushi, and everybody would say, ew, yuck, raw fish, that's disgusting. And now it's available at gas stations, right? Yeah, right so I mean, exactly. I, I, think, I think very clearly, and I, and I think you're right, I think we're in an exciting moment where a lot of things have come together, awareness of food sourcing, awareness of the need for alternative sources, an interest in ethnic foods, for lack of a better, I mean, in this country, people are chomping at the bit to taste and cook with and use authentic ingredients from other places. And there are places in the world where insects are consumed as delicacies. And that's something that hasn't, you know, we we want that here. We want to explore that. And then I think we can't underestimate the power of social media and influencers, as you've already said. I I think that, you know, our access to information through Instagram, through Twitter, through the internet, through shared stories is just exploding. And so the opportunity for someone to become interested in this topic, and in 1976, what did you have? You had one book that you could go to, and you could read this introduction and get real excited about it, but there wasn't much else, right? You could go to their two or three sources in the back, and you could source these things and start cooking these recipes, but you could share it only with your friends. Right now, if you're listening to this show and you go on Instagram and you look up eating insects, you'll find thousands of posts. And you can see what people are doing with it. You can look up Brooklyn Bugs. You can see all the pictures from the festival. And so there's all this information that's suddenly available to you. Yeah. You know, there there are two books that I I like to bring attention to since you mentioned that book. One is a book written by David George Gordon and uh, um, uh, Eat a Bug Cookbook. And that was published in 1998. And to me, I I kind of consider him uh, to be kind of like the... uh, sort of like the leader and pioneer in the Western world for really starting to introduce that in a modern sort of sense. And he was uh, a speaker and also the host for the the Bug Banquet at Brooklyn Bugs and uh, really an amazing, uh, brilliant writer, author, and chef. And uh, also just recently, the Nordic Food Lab put out a book called On Eating Insects, uh, both of those books are like highly, highly recommendable. I'm still working my way through the latter book. And, um, you know, there, there are just like more and more resources. If you're on social media, I mean, some of the hashtags, I mean, entomophagy is a great hashtag, edible insects, hashtag Brooklyn bugs. Um, and what, one thing with like even the word entomophagy, it's a, it's a Greek derivative, entomo, insects, and mophagy is eating. And it's a mouthful. Most people can't even remember it, even after they work in the field for like half a year. They're like, don't know how to say it exactly. I'm actively working with creatives, uh, some writers and creative minds and like business people to like come up with a new lexicon. So if you, even if you think about eating steak or filet mignon, we don't say we're going to eat cattle or cow. Right. <laughs> and, and so I, I, I'm really trying to think of and create a new vocabulary and like words to replace like cricket and worms and you know, be able to come up with like new sort of like delicious ways to like approach it so that people like start associating it with 
food products instead yep. of as like the insect that they might consider. Absolutely right. We don't say we're going to eat a pig. We say we're going to eat pork. Right? Exactly. So then how do we translate that to something like mealworms? Yeah. Which doesn't sound appetizing given the way we think of those things. So what as a chef um, and as a as a as a an eater of insects, what's your favorite insect to eat? I would, with. I, I would have to say there, there's a, a handful that I, I've, I've uh, particularly enjoyed. And uh, you mentioned ants earlier. And the fact that they are like these like crunchy and they have this like citric note to it. It's like fascinating to me that uh, I've been able to incorporate that into a dish without the use of lemon intentionally to like kind of really highlight the flavor of it. Uh, I've also really enjoyed scorpions. They, they are a very... Uh, they have a, a really uh, seafoody, briny, salty sort mm. of flavor that's uh, really amazing, and uh, grasshoppers are are also really chapulinas are also like yeah. really amazing. Um, you know, those are some of my favorites. I mean, I, I crickets are often regarded as as like the gateway bug, <laughs> um, and you know, and I think it is so. It's hard for me to overlook crickets because it is so versatile. There's so many products. That, there's so many innovators and people in the industry that are turning them into amazing products right now. So, so it's hard to overlook crickets as well. Um, you know, and it's just really fascinating, like where the science is, as we start raising the awareness and people start doing more with the food, it's really going to be amazing to see like where these, uh, innovators will like take, take this, uh, take this, uh, where, where they'll take it directionally. Now there, there are some allergy concerns with insects, right? People yes. who are allergic to seafood mm-hmm. may also be allergic to eating insects. So I want to put that out there before anybody like rushes out to try it. They should be aware of that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the that that's in uh, the, on the shells of a lot of these insects are very similar to, to what's also with the seafood. And so for people with seafood allergies or particularly shellfish allergies, it is something that uh, we, we do uh, want people to exercise caution with and just be be careful. And, th- and that's part of the reason why I'm really trying to advocate a whole community approach and get people involved, because we do need the help of policymakers and regulation. You take a look at what happened in like Switzerland, and once they regulated and legalized insects as edible edible food, there's this huge revolution that, that just happened this year. There's a huge revolution that's happening over there. And like once you have like different sort of policy like that, we'll be able to like get government funded like research into like really studying and like understanding like even more the nutritional values of like there are over 1900 uh, like types of insects that are edible i mean i gotta think that there's a lot of things that we can learn from doing research into how we can like farm and grow them and also like nutritionally based as well sure and, and in the modern age right if we create a market for it there will be value for corporate investment which yeah. will just lead to more understanding and, and more availability ultimately so where do you get bugs i mean like can you you know can you go out and like collect them in the park do you or like what what's the best way for someone who wants to get interested and wants to start working with these well well i would say that there are a great number of resources i, I i've really been trying to focus on like really bring attention to american companies just because we we're here and i'm trying to help develop this market so we had entomo farms is a wonderful source for crickets and mealworms we have uh mercy mercado these these were all like amazing sponsors for us as well for brooklyn bugs they have great lines of chapulinas, which are grasshoppers and gusano worms. You have One Hop Kitchen. They make this really amazing, innovative uh, cricket and mealworm bolognese sauce, yeah, which delicious. really just tastes like a really delicious sauce. And, you know, they're, they're doing really amazing things with that. You have Entosense, and they, they've been 
really valuable to me and like providing a lot of a great variety of insects as well. Um, you know, I, and so there, there's just like a lot of different companies that are currently producing and farming and growing these insects specifically for human consumption. And so, you know, so I, I've been really trying to support these companies and like really try to uh, bring attention to, to the work that they're doing. And we're, we're also in the middle of like getting ready to like work on a line of uh, insect products ourselves. And, uh, you know, we, we just want to make the availability better and broader and just have have this food be available for for people so that it's easier, accessible and also to help bring the price point down, because yep. right now it's considered like a, a high value, sort of like a specialty item. And it's because the demand is not there yet. And so it's hard for the, the price of a lot of these things to, to be marked at a lower price. And so once again, that comes with like policymakers, awareness and just like really kind of like trying to grow the market. Great. Well, we're we're just about out of time, um, but I really thank you, Joseph, for uh, for coming on. I want to make sure. Is there anything else that you want to sort of plug? People can find more information at brooklynbugs.com uh, about the entomophagy and about you know you can reach out to Joseph if you have questions about where to source these things, how to cook with them. Um, dinnerecho.com and yummyeats.net are where to find your other information. What you know, where can people find out more information about upcoming uh, Brooklyn Bugs events at the website? Is that the best place? Yeah, the website is definitely the best place and also uh we we're uh active on social media as well um you know and and harry thank you so much for for having us here we we really enjoy having a vehicle to kind of share our experiences and our thoughts about food and i really just want to if there's uh one last thing it's just like really to encourage people to have an open mind and to really just having the discussion is a win because the next time you hear about it it's not such an alien or weird thing so just even having the platform to like discuss about it and talk about it, encourage chefs to start cooking with it, start posting pictures about it, and like for kids to continue eating it. <laughs> and, you know, really just like it, it is going to be a whole community effort. And, and it's a really warm and amazing community that, uh, you know, that I've been blessed to be a part of thus far. And uh, also littleherds.org is a, they were also a sponsor and a really wonderful asset in uh, learning more about entomophagy as well. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much. You can follow uh, Joseph's Adventures online on Instagram at Brooklyn Bugs, at Dinner Echo, at Yummy Eats Inc. And on Twitter, you can follow at Brooklyn Bugs 17. Thanks, everybody, for listening to Feast Your Ears today. Uh, and you can find Feast Your Ears as well as lots of other great shows at heritageradionetwork.org and on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please take a moment to like the show on iTunes if you did like it. If you didn't like it, send me an email. Let me know why. Harry at thebrooklynkitchen.com. You can follow me on social media at The Foodballer. Talk to you next week. listening to heritage radio network food radio supported by you for our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events subscribe to our newsletter enter your email at the bottom of our website heritageradionetwork.org connect with us on facebook instagram and twitter at heritage underscore radio heritage radio network is a non-profit organization driving conversations to make the world a better fairer more delicious place 
and we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.